Hello everyone, this is Donnie, aka Elevated, and thank you for tuning in to the podcast again. Okay, hello Alchemists, I'm Jayoni, here bringing you the first episode of Alchemy Answers to go live on Patreon first, and I am with your host, Elevated, say hi. Howdy. And Jenkins. Hello. What do you two think is the most important thing to do when split pushing? Okay, I actually have a, uh, I, I, there's, there's a better point that I didn't make the first time we did the question, but uh, the, the most important thing to do while split pushing is getting the creep wave into the enemy tower. A lot of people think it's to get farm, it's to pressure the tower and actually hit the tower with your hero. It is absolutely none of those things. The most important thing to do while split pushing is to simply get the creep wave pushing in the enemy team's direction in the safest way possible. You want to stay alive, which means, which which goes back to the answer the first time that I answered it, which means, which basically what I said was playing around, around vision is really important. Um, so you you want you want to stay alive, but also uh, if you if you or in a situation where you don't have vision, you can still do a really good job of split pushing just by using a nuke on the creeps like instantaneously, backing off and not going for any of the last hits, and just allowing the creep wave to push into the enemy tower. And speaking of vision, that's that's the most important one of the most important things about split pushing is that pushing the creeps into the enemy tower will force somebody to go defend that tower, giving you vision of them, making it safe for you to form a larger area of the map. So basically, the most important thing, in my opinion, when it comes to to, to split pushing is understanding that your only job is to get that creep wave to their tower for the purpose of you having a larger area of the map. It's not even about the tower. It's literally just about the creeps being at the tower and having the enemy team have to deal with it. And if they don't go deal with it, then you know that they're trying to kill you. And that's information that you would otherwise not be getting if you weren't split pushing. Um, as for staying alive while split pushing, like I said, playing around vision is really important. And if you don't have vision, just push the creep wave as fast as fucking possible and then go hide in the trees and get a quelling blade and just cut trees and be as hard to kill as possible, basically. That, that's my answer. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I would just say that, the, the like you said, it's, it's really not about getting last hits or getting more farm. It's actually just about forcing the other team to reveal where they are. Yes, and so essentially, split pushing it's not a it's not a tool to come back into the game because you're able to get more farm. That's like a, a side effect of doing it, but it's more so that split pushing is a way for you to get information in a situation where you don't have enough, which is you're behind, you don't have wards deep enough to actually see where the other team is. One of the only ways to get them to reveal where they are is to pressure one of their towers. So you split push um, as safely as possible, and that allows you to get them to reveal where they are at the same time you want to not reveal where you are which is why it's so important to instantly push creep waves with a meteor hammer or skills like puck or lena um or even like Jenkins said just like if you're a lion lion cannot clear creep wave with one spell usage so you just I mean, technically you, you could just hex a creep and it would push into the enemy exactly exactly power. that's what i'm saying is you literally can just earth spike the wave and then all those creeps are at half he half health and your creeps are at full health which allows you to push the tower. It's obviously not nearly as efficient as a tiny, but it accomplishes the same thing over like a, a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks for thanks for the question. Yes, and thank you for having me. I'm gonna let you two take it away. We should shout out who who was the person that asked the first question. Was that was it Jorani? J that would be me. Jiori, Jinor, Jua Yori. 
Juayori. Why? Why you gotta make your name so complicated? <laughs> okay, so that so that was actually your question. I thought you were just reading from no, from that, chat. That okay. was legit his question. And oh, good, good question. question. Good question. All right. All right. I'm gonna get going. All right. All right. Have a good one. All right. So Yodasan asks. How can I improve my skill with micro-intensive heroes? Any hotkey and or general tips? First of all, yes. go watch Jenkins' video on how to micro. Oh, man, I can just say it all here. All right. Here's what you want to do for micro. You want to go to your advanced hotkeys. You want to set up uh, something for select all other units. That is absolutely necessary. Uh, I like using my mouse for that just because that way all of your... I like to associate all of my, my uh, micro with my mouse if I can, just because that way all my movement is associated with the mouse. And I could take my hand off the keyboard or be typing or something and still move all of my units in the way that I want. Uh, just a personal preference. I don't know if that's the best way to do it. I would say go set up control groups ASAP. Don't try to learn all of these things at once. Do them one at a time. Give yourself like three, four, five days on each of the individual settings that you're setting up. Don't just set all the settings and expect to be good. You're going to be shit for a few days. So do do one at a time. So control groups, absolutely necessary. Uh, and then in your regular hockeys, set up uh, select all controlled units, select hero. Those are super effective. I would say if you don't have a courier hockey, you want that as well, because that, of course, is important for micro. Like you can use courier to scout trees. You can use courier to scout for wards, put it into, into Roche. You can even scout, like, if you are using the courier and you're ganking somebody, they start juking, you can use the... You, you see a lot of the time pros will just use the courier to just, like, run over trees and make it so they can't juke. That's, like, super important. I personally really like... Uh, there's an option. I believe it's in options and uh, advanced options. Uh, where is it? Unified unit orders with control? Right. Unified unit orders with control. That's actually not in advanced options. Yeah, it's just under regular options, under game. Uh, unified unit orders, I think that's super sweet. Uh, deselect, auto-select summoned units. That shit is terrible. If you have these other hotkeys, you won't need to auto-select summoned units. You, you can just use the unified unit orders. And auto-selecting summoned units can just, like, screw you up in a lot of scenarios. Th those are, like, the main hotkeys. I'm not, I don't think I'm forgetting any of them. But th you want to set all of those hotkeys up. And like I said, when it comes to learning them, put all of them on, sure. But make sure that you're learning one of them at a time. Go into games for, like three to four days and just be like, okay, I'm going to get good at this. Play Beastmaster, play some hero that's micro-intensive and get good at each of the individual microing uh, options and hotkeys. And then after like two weeks, you'll just be good at micro. And it's it's just super incredibly easy. And while you're queuing, you can even just go into a demo lobby and then literally just spawn all of your units and then try to individually walk them in like patterns in like a square or a circle just by like keying through the the various units and trying to keep them all moving at the same time. That's like one really good way to get used to controlling each individual unit. And then once you do that, you know, maybe your queue pops, then you play a game, you're feeling good on your hero already. Uh, then the next time you queue up, do the same thing, but instead also try to incorporate using their skills. Basically just like Jenkins said, introduce one thing at a time and really just kind of practice it in a controlled environment and then practice it in a real environment and that's sure. how you get better at stuff yeah it feels it feels really boring and uh like nothing's happening when you do it in a practice lobby but it it really does help out eventually you you definitely want to like you definitely want to go into practice lobbies and just just screw around even if it's just between games like eventually it will start feeling like oh this is this is easy um what i would recommend when it comes to uh control groups and in general just when it comes to like learning anything that requires a decent amount of like dexterity or I don't know what you would call it in, in gaming, probably still dexterity. But in, in any case, like you want to do it slowly, 
um, instead of trying to do it quickly, uh, like you want to do it slowly and improve your speed at what you're doing it over time rather than doing it quickly and improving your accuracy over time if you know what i mean like yes that's actually a very good point and it goes to like literally every skill that you'll ever learn in guitar for example if you're trying to learn like a like a solo you absolutely have to start playing the solo at slow speed and then you just like you get the fingering and then it just becomes very very easy to speed it up over the course of like you know you you change the metronome to be slightly faster and you change the metronome to be slightly faster but if you just start trying to play it like at regular speed you're just going to fuck everything up and the fingering is going to be wrong and you're just going to miss a bunch of notes and play stuff like incorrectly and then once you've developed that habit you're just it's going to be like twice as hard to relearn it in the correct way it's it's just way easier to like speed something up that you know than it is to just do something yeah it's just way easier i feel like it's just a, a human thing once again this is kind of anecdotal but from how i've learned all of the skills that i've learned in dota that makes it sound like i'm t- I'm not super skilled, but from from what I have learned in Dota to get to this point, it's always been starting slow and then working working my way to be faster once I'm good at whatever it is that I'm trying to learn. As opposed to every time I try to get more accurate and just start fast, I just fuck everything up and, and lose a bunch of games. Alright, so next one is just a quick one. AMR AMR says, is Midas still good or are small items better to get and just try and end the game fast? I think it, de- it definitely depends on the game. I know that's kind of like a textbook answer, but um, I would say Midas is, is very good in a couple of situations. Like you can definitely go for a Midas if you are in a situation where you know the game isn't going to end anytime soon yep. and you and you don't want to get like left behind in terms of farm. And it's not like if you're just not fighting anyway, it's like, okay, the enemy team isn't fighting us. They're doing a really good job at avoiding us. There's nothing that we can do to fight them. Let's just, when they do want to fight us, be stronger by having that Midas in the light game. Like, there's situations on Pudge where that that happens with me a lot, where it's like, enemy team's not running into us, my team doesn't want to fight either, I'll just build into Midas so that when, when we do fight, I'm like a core. And it works out a lot of times. Sometimes sometimes you get it wrong, and like they will fight you, and then you have a Midas, and you're useless, but it's, it's not the most useless thing. You, you still have a hero, you still have skills and abilities and stuff, so... Yeah, uh, what, then, what, are some, what are some heroes that you would target building a mice against i would say like tinker coddle sure yeah yeah uh, zeus maybe sometimes even heroes that just like they're they're doing a really good good job fighting you like team team fight heroes like if you're if you're just playing against some like juggernaut who's just annihilating you in team fights and you just can't fight them and you're like a support or an offlaner and you know that your team is just going to go into split push mode then you can build a midas and you'll you'll be effective in the late game i'd say that's the most common scenario for me where I'm like an offlaner or a support, and I know that my team doesn't want to fight, and I know that I'm not going to do... Like, there's no point getting an urn or something like that when you're not fighting at all, you're not going to use it. So you just get a Midas and farm, or get some sort of other farming item, like a Necro on Dazzle or something like that. Uh, that that's usually the scenario that I get. It doesn't necessarily have to be against like a Caudal or a Zeus, because there are situations where, even not against those heroes, you just won't want to fight or push because your team isn't down for that. And maybe you'll be stronger in the late game, but you'd rather be even even stronger with the Midas, you know? Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. Um, Nishu Tiagi says, what are all the basic mechanical skills a core or carry needs and how to practice them? That is unbelievably broad, man. Uh, I can actually answer that. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can give you, like, a broad answer for that. I think uh, for the past, like, 
six months to a year, maybe a little bit longer, the skills that you need to learn as a carry is uh, there's like, I would say there's three very broad, like main skills, if you want to call them that. Uh, basically, you need to learn how to um, get farm. You need to learn how to like farm in a game where it's very hard. It's very easy to farm in a game where your team is winning. And uh, that's just because they're doing their jobs really, really well. Uh, but what makes a good carry is learning how to get farm when the game is hard. Like you can watch our TZ play. You can watch any player play. They'll go into like, or carry player play. They'll go into like the enemy jungle. They'll farm ancients if they, if they uh, can farm ancients on that hero. Uh, like if, 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 like for example, if you're a carry player and you can farm ancients and you're not farming ancients, you're going to get less gold. You're going to be taking gold for, from your team. So like that, for example, is a skill that you can learn. So basically knowing how to farm. And then uh, this is this is the thing that in the last like like I said one to two years has been more of a, a carry thing. You need to know how to push waves, like how to safely pressure towers, because uh, you're going to be on your own and you're going to be farming. Your team is making space for you, but you can actually provide them with some space themselves uh, while still farming by pushing waves on like the opposite side of the map. So learning how to do that safely, whether that's cutting waves uh, on PA, like using the invis to get to waves or to like bait the enemy team somewhere, TP to the opposite side of the map, cut a wave there, whatever it is. Like, I could go into a lot of these things, but since it's a broad question, I'm not going to. That's one Basically, of my favorite things, actually. Sorry to interrupt. Is No problem. Is you you show yourself in one lane, and you push up, like, just past the river, and then you go to the tree, then you immediately TP to the other side of the map. Yeah, because you're making the, the other side of the map safe for yourself by yeah. virtue of basically being like, I'm the carry, they're going to gank me, I'm going to show somewhere, they're going to gank me, I'm not going to be there. Right. Uh, and... And it, it's it's really important that like on a carry, if there's a situation where you can farm jungle versus like push the lane, you should almost always push the lane unless it's very unsafe. Uh, like that's the thing is it's this balance between like pushing the lane and not being completely useless and uh, getting your own farm. Because like if you die like two to three times on a carry, you're not doing your job. Your the, the, your job of a carry is to be that like that rock of the game where you're just going to always in the late game be that hero. That, that brings me to the third thing that that that's you need to be able to in the late game come online and come online hard. Like you need to not uh, crack under the pressure of like having the entire world on your shoulders because that's going to be the situation in every game. So you need to be able to like have the the skill to like know when to take a fight and that's going to be the good fight and then you get an ultra kill and then the game is over. Like that that's the idea behind playing like the best carries where you're just ignored, uh, you get you get your farm, you push lanes, you're not really fighting with your team, they're kind of dying without you, sometimes taking good fights, maybe you'll show up to one or two fights, but there's a point where you get to a certain item timing and then you fight around that. Uh, and then you get like triple kill. Basically your team takes a lead, a huge lead. You take Roshan, you group up as five, you end the game. Like there should be that point where it's like the pivotal point where you are now, uh, uh, you're ready. You're fighting. Like you're out of, it's like the joke with anti-mage out of the jungle with the big muscles, you know, it's like, okay, guys, I'm farmed. I'm ready to go. That's literally no matter what, what playing carry is. <laughs> no matter what carry it is, you want to do that. And if you're dying yep. a bunch in getting to that point, you're not a carry, you're mid. You're you're an offlaner. Like yep. the point the point of the carry is that you are not you are that piece of shit that the enemy team is like. This guy is a timer that is going to a bomb that's going to go off on us, and uh, you you need to be the bomb. <laughs> if uh, if you die a bunch, then the enemy team is like they have nothing to be worried about going late if you're dying. Yep. So it's it's really important that you don't. Yeah. Just anyway. just think to think back to one of those games where the enemy carry, whether it's like a terror blade or an anti mage or whatever. It's just, it always seems to be, like, hitting your towers, and every time you go to kill them, they're just not there anymore. Like, yeah, those are... You, you just basically, you create this, like, incredibly strong anxiety 
in the enemy team just by simply existing in the game. And it's like, a good word. Yeah, it feels really good to play that it's, way. It's like a way less useless type of carry now nowadays. Like a lot of the roles now, I would say, have evolved to the point where you have to be incredibly high skilled to play like a true carry or a true support. Every role there's a lot asked asked of you. Yeah. It's uh it's Dota's gotten pretty ridiculous. It's great. Intense. <laughs> All right, here's another good one. Uh Ahmad Alion says, "Guys, I'm a mid player and I consider myself good, but last week I played against an immortal ranked player in mid and lost so badly to him that I lost my confidence in mid and now I'm playing badly." Help yeah, that, help me. That happens. That happens. Uh, uh go back and watch that game and watch your laning stage like two or three times. Yeah. And figure out why he owned you so hard. And once you've once you've put your finger on the problem, then you're not going to make those mistakes again. And you probably are going to learn a whole lot about playing mid at a higher level than you play it currently. It's good and advice. I think that I mean that's literally what you did against Sumail, right? Is like Sumail fucking dumpstered you a bunch of I, times. I was I was very good at mid at that point too. I'm not so great now because like the trends have changed, the heroes have changed. But at that point, I was I was legitimately like shit stomping good mid players. Because I I had uh, I had done that that that's good like that's an opportunity for you if you got shit stomped by an immortal player that means you're going to be you're if, if you take that replay and you analyze it enough you're actually going to be immortal yeah <laughs> yourself um, for me it's like I wish I could play against Sumail in the uh, most recent weeks because then I'd know how to play like you know OD versus like whatever the popular mids are because he would shit stomp me and then I'd look at that and that'd be a good mid but uh, I've just been playing the side lanes and haven't had the, the opportunity. So that's that's good. That's re that's really good for you. Um, I would say uh, in terms of like uh, getting getting your confidence back, it's just, okay, number one, actually, before I get into that, no matter who you are, there's always like a skill bracket of player above you that will make you feel like total shit. If you played against a player that's like a bracket below you, you would make them lose their confidence. Yeah. Uh, it just the the winning player, the player who's like slightly better, always makes the other one look like a total moron. Uh, that's just that's just how Dota is. So you, you you have to like number one in getting your confidence back. You have to accept that that you are a complete moron. But there are people that are complete morons to you, and people that are complete morons to the person that beat you. And that's just how it is. And it goes all the way up. And even at the top, you'll see SCC will go against Sumail, make Sumail look like an idiot. Sumail will go against this player. Make this. It de depends on the, the what heroes are strong in Dota. Who's good at what? Who knows the matchups better? There's a lot that depends, and that's just that's just how Dota is. Like you, you lose a lead. You lose like two to three last hits on the first wave. They have a little bit more experience. They get level two. They pressure you because they're level two before you, and then boom, it's like the lane is fucking impossible, and you feel like you're an idiot. But you're not an idiot. You just there are slight tricks that they use that you didn't know, or slight things that you need to remember next time for that lane, and. That's just how Dota is. I would say that's the first step in getting your confidence back is just understanding that that's how Dota is. You're going to feel terrible when playing against somebody who knows a matchup slightly better than you or plays slightly better than you. Yep. And you can't let that you can't let that get to you. And I would say in terms of getting your confidence back, just play your comfort heroes until until you have like a good game. And once you have a good game, like you're going to be feeling pretty good. You know, yeah. one to two wins is all it takes, really. Dota is one of those things where it's like everybody has a very short memory. Like if, if you're Which winning, if you're winning, you feel like a god. If you're losing, you feel like the worst player in the world. Tell me Which... about it, man. <laughs> That's basically just what it is. You know what? I'm so positive right now. I've been fucking winning today, man. That's yeah. why. I had good games. 
literally how it is. All right, Kyle Perkins asks, as a pure support player, I play mainly 4-5, Lich, Jakiro, Lion, etc. Should I learn to get comfortable and play Magnus as a support? I don't play him much at all, less than 10 games. Uh, I mean, you don't necessarily have to. I would say that if you know, like, four or five broken supports, that's probably enough. Magnus is still possibly the best hero in Dota, though, and he's being played more as a support. So I would say, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good hero to learn, and it wouldn't take too too long to learn it and uh for like future patches when magnus becomes a pick again you'll know it so it's definitely good to like learn other heroes but maybe do it in party queue you don't need to like you don't need to lose your solo mmr to to learn that shit because i mean it, you mentioned lich i think and like lich lion yeah just that play, alone just play those two <laughs> that al those heroes alone are enough to win a lot right now if you're if you're good enough with them especially lich Lion's really good, but Lich is something else, man. Yeah, so, I, I would also say that learning to play Magnus is going to kind of taint the way that you play support because it's a hero that you kind of have to, at some point, just be like, all right, I'm going to get farm, so I have a Blink Dagger. It's, it's almost greedy, like yeah. yeah it's it's really almost good. like a four. It's like an Earthshaker, where if you get a 25-minute Blink Dagger on Earthshaker, you probably lost the game for your team. That Lion's a, Lion's a little bit like that, too. But uh, Lich, Lich is completely, completely not. The thing is, you, you can... It's it's it, those are like the three levels of heroes actually where it's like Lich doesn't need anything, Lion kind of wants a blink, Magnus absolutely needs a blink. Yeah, uh, it's like the the absolute most greedy support is is Magnus. So maybe I don't know. Maybe actually that's good to learn just because then you'll know the three, the the three like greed levels of of support. Yeah, I think it's always good to have some variety in the types of heroes that you play. But I think, like Jenkins said, it's not 100% required that you learn to play Magnus. And if you do learn to play it, you shouldn't play it in solo queue until you feel really comfortable on it. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, Demon King says, how do you counter Slardar? You need to counter Slardar? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think the hero's uh, that excellent, but it's still... It's still important to talk about. Like, I don't, I don't want to just not answer the question. Yeah. There are, there are counters. There are counters to Slardar. I would say you don't need to worry about it too much right now. But uh, basically, anything that can like take off the corrosive haze is very, very good. So like purges, Legion commanders, purge, Manta um, style, Lotus Manta style, Lotus Orb, uh, Abaddon, and uh, any hero that like fucks up uh, a single target initiation is going to be very good. Like Vengeful Spirit, because there's always this Slardar that jumps on somebody, stun points at them everybody focuses that one guy and you just swap and they're fucked like any sort of counter initiation is going to screw with slardar because he's an initiator so uh, that's that that's basically it. He's, he's i would say he's basically your typical initiator with like a hint of you know single target amplification that's all you really need to worry about when it comes to um he's like bash in the laning stage people are definitely having issues with that now just because Chances are, if if he gets buffed, if he gets buffed anymore, that's going to be what people consider broken about him. Is how the yeah. new bash works. Yep. Get ranged heroes. Like you cannot get bashed if you're a ranged hero. Something to just zone him, where he's not going to be able to run up and bash you. Uh, yeah. Because the way he does, he preemptively like hits creeps to get that bash up. So beat his ass while he's doing that. Punish him for that. If he walks up to you and bashes you, run away. Like you're not going to get hit by him if you're a ranged hero or some hero that can zone him off the wave. Basically, just don't pick some like shitty melee hero that's going to be able to just get yeah. bullied by him. Yeah, don't pick Spectre and, expe yeah. and expect yeah. to not get bullied by Slardar and or literally any other hero in the game. <laughs> don't pick Spectre and Expector to not get bullied. I'll nice be here one. all week, folks. Yeah, I'm actually just going to see myself out. All right, Dota Dummy says, is Lycan still good because I've been spamming him in winning matches before the 30-minute mark, but is there anyone better? 
I think Lycan is like the highest winner here on Dota right now in Immortal Bracket. So yes, yes, Lycan is good. Lycan is a god. That's a very good hero, and I need to play that hero a lot more. <laughs> uh, I would say, and just to kind of expand on that a little bit, I definitely feel like Dota has reverted a little bit to these high harass lanes, which like instantly makes Lycan a pick. That is accurate, especially because he gives his team health regen now, which is yep. insane. Uh, pretty pretty legit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good hero, I think. Yeah. Armor uh, is better, too. Armor is more effective than it was before. Gives people armor. Yep. Pretty obnoxious hero. Okay. Um, Drow Ranger is good now in 720E, right? Can we expect... When can we expect a new update for New Year? I, I, I can't answer that question. Is Drow good? I say yes. I think Drow's good. Drow's, I'm seeing Drow play more as a mid laner. Once again, kind of anecdotal, but I'm seeing a lot of people play it to a pretty high degree of success. Just the fact that you can farm so quickly and she does actual damage and you can run, you can run around and kill people on Drow now. You don't necessarily need to pick ranged heroes with her, but it is still kind of cool building ranged heroes getting a bunch of null talismans on them or, or whatever it is that buffs that hero because the ranged is, you know, gonna... The ranged yeah. heroes are gonna get the attack speed. If you've damaged with it, it's pretty legit. I definitely prefer having Drow not be the main carry and have, like, a secondary ranged hero as a carry. Or yeah. even even something like a Terrorblade works pretty well with Drow because Metaform, you just become insanely high damage. Yeah. Um, and... I don't know. I've I've only played a couple of games on the new Drow. I got Ags in both of them, and you farm like as fast as an anti mage does. It's pretty nuts. But I don't know if that's actually a good item. <laughs> it's my anecdotal evidence of two and zero with Ags on Drow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what else though? What else can you draw upon? The patch hasn't been out for super long. It's hard to right. Hard to in any case. Yeah, I, I Drow is good. Yes. Okay. Um. Currently at 2.5k MMR, hoping to be 4 or 5k. Been watching my replays frequently, but I don't get I don't get it. How exactly do you do it efficiently? Um, so we've gotten this question a lot, and we actually have made some videos on how to watch replays, but I will give you my personal breakdown of how I watch replays, and this is how I do like the community replay reviews on my stream. Basically, I always watch the laning stage, and I watch the first, like, five or six creep waves to see how last hitting is, how positioning is, how much regen is being expended by both sides, and how much, like, whether the trades are good or not. Really, really, really important. You show up to lane with more regen than your opponents. Either that or have a stronger lane, which is going to allow you to bully them out of the lane by making them use your their regen much faster than you use yours. Um, so I pay attention to that very carefully. Then... From there, I usually will make sure that I at least watch most of the deaths of that hero, whether it's support, core, doesn't matter. Every single death, I think, is very important because, frankly, you just shouldn't die in Dota unless you fuck up. And so every single time that you die, you probably made some sort of mistake. And so I think it's important to kind of watch like what leads up to that. And then I also like to watch just team fights in general. Because most people go into team fights with no plan and it shows. And so you should go to the team fight. And before the team fight happens, you should 
think to yourself, what should actually happen? How do we win this fight? And then you watch the fight and you see whether that actually happened or not. And if it didn't, then you understand why it's important. Um, and then finally, I would watch how you take objectives because that's also extremely important, whether you're just kind of like wandering up a lane with no vision and then hitting a tower and then getting counter ganked and dying, or whether you just like are standing around in the low ground beneath high ground, trying to figure out how to go high ground against wave clear and like wasting two minutes and then getting picked off. Like that stuff happens so often that just like watch how you actually approach objectives and then look at the bigger picture, both from maybe the opponent's fog and your fog and then just like the global vision and see if you can just figure out a better way to actually or a safer way or a more efficient way to approach taking objectives like th that's what i watch i'm sure you could like go in and technically watch like all of your farming patterns and stuff like that but i think that's way less important than your actual overall strategy that you employ to win a game or lose a game my my advice for it is just uh focus on one thing at a time like don't try to I don't think it's good to go into a replay and watch absolutely everything. You should be like, okay, I am shit at this and I want to get better at this. Like, I keep dying. Look at when you're dying. I keep losing lanes. Look at look at the laning phase. And also, like, when you're doing that, you can look at pro replays of how they lane. Look at how you lane. See what the difference is. And just focus exclusively on that because it's very easy to overwhelm yourself with a bunch of information, a bunch of new shit that you should be doing, and you're never going to, like, fix ten things in the next game that you play, where it's like, oh, I did all these ten things wrong, I need to do, do those better. Focus on just one thing, and do that better until it is better, and then once that's become an impulse for you, focus on something else that you need to make an impulse. And then eventually, everything at Dota will just be an impulse for you. And then at that time, congratulations, you're probably playing at a TI. It's, uh... <laughs> relatively simple but it's like hard to do in practice because the hard part is really realizing what the difference between you and people that are winning is uh, and then also uh, figuring out like what is actually a mistake and what's not that you're making but in any case i yes. just say my, my advice is just don't overwhelm yourself with shit make sure that you're actually going into pubs with like okay i looked at my replay i looked at pro replays i'm gonna do this differently go into three pubs do that until it's an impulse don't try to do 20 things at once. It's not going to work. And the last thing that I will add to that is don't ever approach a replay with a mindset of was this game winnable or my teammates sucked and here's all the good stuff that I did. Like You have to approach the replay from a perspective of we lost this game because of me or I lost this game because otherwise you're not going to look for the mistakes you're just going to continue to give excuses for why you lost as opposed to just like figuring out even literally even if it's we got out drafted every single lane lost you still played well and you lost the game you have to approach that replay from the perspective of what else could i possibly have done even if it was something that would be not optimal in like 99 out of 100 games in that one particular game because the game was so shitty maybe you had to do something completely not optimal to actually win the game and just like figuring that out and having that in your toolbox is super important that's how you that's how arteezy or ritsu or whoever learns how to cut waves like at the enemy tier three at you know 15 minutes in the game because this team is just getting absolutely rolled and this anti-mage is now farming like at the enemy tier three is like they didn't figure that out because they went into a replay and saw that their team got destroyed 
and that the enemy team was able to push racks at 15 minutes in, they went in and said, oh, what else could I have done to delay this from happening? And the answer is cutting waves of the tier three. All right. Um, okay, let's do like two more questions. Sure. Um, Tanker653 says, I'm having... Solid name. <laughs> Tank. Tank. Tanker. <laughs> yeah, that just rolls off the tongue. Says, I'm having difficulty in my ranked games past the laning stage. It feels like legends don't know how to push the advantage past 20 minutes. First of all, I would say you're 100% correct. Legends don't know how to push the advantage past 20 minutes. And that is one of the most easy ways to influence games at the legend level is to create advantage for yourself and for your team by just a, simply playing faster. Hammer, buddy. Literally. Literally just play faster than them by what we were talking about with the split pushing question at the very beginning. I don't know if you were here for that, but basically you need to create pressure on the map and then not be there when they come to respond to it. So basically like it literally doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what position you are. If nobody is doing the job of split pushing and, and creating pressure on the map and forcing the other team to show themselves in a lane, then you have to do that. And if that requires you buying a meteor hammer or simply just being a Jakiro that ends up with like core level farm because you're the only person actually pushing the waves, then that's what you have to do. Um, so yeah, force the other team to continually be stuck on their side of the map responding to you and the rest of your team will eventually have enough advantage to win. Or you can prey on the fact that people aren't pushing and uh, just pick Spectre every game. Like yeah, there's multiple that also works. approaches to it. If that's true, then just pick way better late game. Pick heroes that can take farm a lot better. Pick heroes that can punish people for not pressuring. Like just make sure if you if you know that that is true that you're punishing it. If you're trying to play regular Dota and that is that is correct what you're saying, uh, then you're you're not taking advantage of something that is true in your bracket. The same thing goes for like immortal bracket too. There are certain things that people don't do or that people will obsess over. For example, in North America, immortal bracket, people are obsessed with farming and split pushing and cutting waves. And if you pick a ganking hero, you can feed off of people and then they will feed down mid because they're pissed off that they've died a bunch where in other games they won't get punished because other people will be farming. So kill heroes, for example, are very good in North America in immortal games kill slash gank heroes because people are just incredibly aggressive with their farming and with their pushing of waves and being separated on the map and you can completely prey on that so just make sure that you're taking advantage of the little things that people let you take advantage of yeah definitely uh, like and it's funny because obviously that the two things that we just talked about are completely different approaches i personally approach every single game of dota wanting to end the game as quickly as possible just because i like playing aggressively and a lot of times that loses me games because I'm trying to play aggressively for too long when we need to just play more passively. But what Jenkins is explaining is a more passive approach, a, a more greedy approach. Um, if you have either, either more works. free time, if you have more free time, then maybe oh go with a greedy God. approach. <laughs> this is a ridiculous <laughs> argument. Uh, I mean, hey, man, but for real. OG1TI, man, with the greedy approach. That's Come true. On, it works. True. All right, so let's take uh, let's take one more question. Is there anybody? Oh, here's one. What's the status of supports right now? Top ten heroes according to win rates, and none of them are supports. Why is this happening in this patch? I think that's kind of interesting. Is that actually the case? Let me go look. Dota buff heroes. Uh, 
great. We'll, we'll check a mortal bracket. Venge is second. She's she's very good. She's very good. I put the but she's in the underrated heroes video recently. Elder Titan's up there. Magnus is support. Um, Grimstroke is up there. He's a support. I think Dazzle Dazzle's up there. He's a support. I think uh, I think there's good good supports. Um, I mean. I think there's going to be a mix of like supports and carries just because there's got to be supports in games, right? So if carries are winning, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think there are very very broken cores right now though, and it's easier to control a game with cores. But in those games, there's also going to be supports. I guess that's the thing: is that like something like uh, Venge, for example, it can be played as both core and support which is going to have some strange effect on her win rate where lycan is exclusively a core and like an early push hero i don't know i would say if you look at the actually if you look at all the top win rate heroes they're like just heroes who can end the game really quickly for the most part or like incredibly broken heroes i, I think it's just random i per i personally feel like that's just random i don't th i don't think there's any um it's like if, if a support is broken they're gonna have a high win rate too like dazzle for example Grimstroke. Yeah. These heroes have really high win rates. They're ubiquitously completely broken. Uh, you know, PA or Lycan, like they would have a high win rate, but that they're ubiquitously broken. Maybe Lycan's a little underrated, but I, th I think it's just, I think it's just I, I feel like it's just random because there have been patches where supports are absolutely incredible. I think that supporting is in a really great spot right now. Somebody who plays mostly support, I have a great time in games because it is high highly revolving around fighting, and if you have good positioning and spell casting then you can have like an insane impact in games just because you can do so much with so you know, little i just had a thought too a lot of the a lot of the fours and fives are the same like you can play lich as a four or a five whereas a lot of the core roles are just like this is an offlaner this is a mid this is a carry yeah so it's like it's like three to one like so technically speaking like a quarter of the only a quarter of the heroes in the top 10 should be supports with that with like that in mind yeah because i I think a lot of the sorry, I just total I like I just realized that that there's going to be like there's going to be that statistical difference just because of the there's only two support roles and a lot of the heroes can play both. It's not that's not true for a lot of the core uh, core roles. Just depends. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I I think that support is in a great spot right now. Like I think it is. It, it's not really. You don't just like sit in lane and make sure your, your carry doesn't die and then you go stack and then you wait for them to get fat and then you wait for them to push and then you wait for them to do whatever to end the game it's literally like okay i'm gonna fight these people in lane and then i'm gonna ward for my carry and then i'm gonna go leave the lane and i'm gonna go fight other people elsewhere and then i'm gonna go place wards and gank and then i'm gonna go place wards and gank some more and then we're going to take a fight and then we're going to win the game. So it's literally just like, it's constantly action. And I'm such a huge advocate of forcing your team to play aggressively by placing wards aggressively. And I think that this is one of the biggest mistakes that most support players make at, you know, it's like the average MMR and really for most, just because I think that, I think that the worst position like on average in terms of skill wise and understanding is support. I think most people are just terrible at support. Yeah, this is accurate. Like comparative to, you know, I'm sure that there's probably like 
2,000 carry players who are quite good at carry, like in a mortal bracket or something like that. But there's probably like six support players who are actually good there's at support. So few. There's legitimately so few. I can name like five of them. It's like Z Freak, New Sham. Um, See, you're having a hard Francis, time. <laughs> Francis Lee. Uh, Matthew. Like very, very few. Exactly. So. Whereas with carry, it's like there's Mason, Ritsu, Venom, Arteezy. Just like the whole leaderboard pretty much basically basically all of the top 100 yeah is like all carries almost yeah and so basically to summarize that point you can control the game as a support so much because you like you do your early game stuff you secure your carries farm and then you literally you just you smoke yourself to the objective that you want to go kill and you place wards behind it so your team can take a good fight with a vision advantage and then you kill that and then you grab the next set of wards and you go and you either walk there and place wards to secure the next objective that you want to go or again you smoke yourself and you do the same thing and yes sometimes your team will just like you'll have great aggressive vision to secure the tier 2 tower in the top lane and your team will still just be farming like the medium camp behind your tier two in, in radiant jungle but most of the time they're gonna like slowly extend out to where they can see because that's what people do if they people can see something do it. if they can see something they will go there they don't want to go to the dark spot they want to go to the light spot because it's safer there supposedly yeah yeah people will that that that's one thing is like if you know if you consider that your teammates are useless dumb animals uh, i'm not saying they are i'm saying if you can if you if you assume that hypothesis then you know animals even act on instinct and impulse so yep you can you can use that and abuse that and if you're not that's something you could be doing better with that being said you know i'm not perfect at this i have no idea how to support <laughs> but uh it's it's definitely like in the realm of possibility is all i'm saying uh, obviously Yep. So uh, the argument's pretty easy, pretty simple. All right, guys. In any case, that's yeah. that's it. Shout out to patreoncom alchemy for anybody that's watching on YouTube. Uh, we're probably gonna start doing a second stream that is not unlisted for the Patreon, but it won't be Alchemy Answers. I don't know. We'll see. We had some ideas too about getting some Patreon boys on on this podcast slash. Uh, video series too i don't know what we're gonna do with that but anyway check out the patreon youtubers <laughs> i had to shout that out at the end i, I forgot we did we forgot yeah, to do it at the start absolutely and for those of you who are tuning in that are patreons we love you guys thank you so much for supporting dota alchemy and making dota 2 awesome. a better community because that's legit legitimately what you're doing by allowing us to continue to make content